Hey there, welcome to the All Things Life podcast. I'm your host, Leela Ben. I'm 21 years old and figuring life out, whatever that means. Tune in for chats about all of the cringy, the bad, the funny and the rad life stuff that I think is important to share with you. This is a journey and I'm glad you're here. So enjoy this All Things Life crazy ride. Now let's get chatting. Hello, lovely people. Welcome back to another episode of All Things Live podcast. I'm so sorry I've been MIA. I missed an episode last week and I didn't really tell anyone why. I um, I just was very lazy, to be honest, and I've kind of lost motivation for a lot of life things. And that's just me being completely honest because I'm a human being and I've been going through some random stuff in my life. So yeah, sorry about that. I'm sure it wasn't missed. I'm pretty sure I only have like 50 people that listen religiously. So sorry to the 50. Um, But anyway, today is a really exciting episode. I got to chat with Hannah Conda. She is a drag queen. So her real name's Chris Collins. And we had the best chat. We just talked about all things drag, opening up about your sexuality and following your dreams because we all want to follow our dreams but some of us just don't have the courage. So yeah, it was such a great chat and I was so, I was like on the biggest high after this chat. So I'm really excited for you guys to listen and I hope you enjoy. Hello. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you? Very well, thank you. I'm going to just sort out my... uh... Can you hear me all right? Is this all right? Yeah, it's really good. Really good. Oh, great. All right. I don't need them then. <laughs> How's your Friday morning been? Um, so far, so good. We just um, went and got a coffee and got some dog food and that's kind of it. That's been oh. my morning. What How about yourself? You have? A Pomeranian poodle. Oh, cute. I work at a doggy daycare. Oh, really? In Sydney? Yeah. Uh, in Melbourne. You Melbourne are wonderful. Yeah. yeah. She's um she goes to daycare like once every couple of months to get groomed and to have a day with the dogs. It's pretty expensive. Um but yeah, we were taking before COVID, we were taking her what like once a week she'd go. Um, because both Jack and I we were working a lot and so we we thought um give her a day with the dogs and she used to love it. Well she still yeah. loves, but you know, <laughs> my pocket doesn't love it anymore. No, exactly. I'm so glad. I've got a dog myself and I'm so yeah. glad to bring him for free. Oh, that's so handy. got to get a job at a doggy daycare. <laughs> yeah, I know. If, the, if drag doesn't work out, that's where I might be headed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for coming on. I'm really excited for this. Okay, so I'll start with my intro question. I ask all my guests this. What is the top thing on your bucket list? Oh my god! Oh my god! I don't know. I would no. Okay. Oh my. Oh, um. I really want to go to. I really want to do like a whole Disneyland Orlando vacation. That's one of my like lifelong things that I've wanted to do. Um, because I'm a big Disney fan. You got. I've got the Little Mermaid right there. Oh yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah I've always wanted to do a whole Disneyland vacation so whatever way I have to do whatever I have to do to get there I'll do it 
bloody hope we can start doing more travel soon. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm not, I'm not planning on going in like the next three years, but um, <laughs> maybe after that. I just want a whole, I just want a whole Disney experience. I want to stay in one of the hotels. I want to like eat all Disney food. I want to buy all the Disney merch. I want to go on all the rides. That sounds like a dream. Have you done much travel? Um, I've done a bit. Like it's probably been in the last like four or five years. I've actually I've done a lot more. Um, I've done this. I've done like LA. I went there for DragCon, and then I have done. I went to Paris, which was amazing. Performed there. Um, Travelled all around Australia. Um, I've been to the UK a lot because my partner's from from um, Newcastle in England. So. We've been doing a lot of the UK, which is wild. I've never done drag in the UK, though, because um, it's always just been, like, family time and me being a being a tourist. Um, so that was a lot of fun. I've done, like, Bali. I've been to Bali. Um, good old Bali. Oh, good old Bali. Because I'm from Perth and you're from Perth, too. Yeah. So you get it. It's like that's your whole, that's your family holiday. Yeah, it's just the weekend away. Get on the plane for, like, 200 bucks. <laughs> So funny, cheap drinks. I've had some bad yeah. hangovers in Bali, that's for sure. Yeah, me too. Me too. So you said you um you're from Perth. So you grew up in Perth. Yes. Yeah. And well, you said actually you said you initially were in York. Was that right? Yeah. 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 I grew up in um well, like from probably the age of like two until. 10 or 11 I think I was I would grow I was in York yeah um so which is which at the time was about a th- like a two or three hour drive out of Perth now it's so quick to get to we just went earlier this year to go to like show Jack around York where we grew up um and it's like an hour and 10 yeah maybe an hour and a half drive I've been skydiving in York yeah yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's a beautiful town. They've been, yeah. I tell you though, they've been ravished over time. Like, it's just, it was interesting to go back and see how the town has just kind of depleted over time. Yeah. These country towns are suffering. Like, it's yeah, well, it's so awful to see. Ah, oh, so you've done the you with the country. Esperance is still thriving though. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's doing pretty good. Like the tourism side of things and um, farming. Yeah is going well too um but but it's still like I guess York there's there's not like a really significant like Esperance it's like the beachy town and like super Instagrammable and stuff um yeah all the cafes are still like a struggle and closing and COVID did not help with that at all um but yeah so you moved from York at 10 and you then you moved to Perth yeah. Oh, yeah. We t- we were moved into the hills. Yeah. So we went in. We 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 did the hills circuit. So we started in um in Gooseberry Hill, and then yeah. we moved to Greenmount, and then we moved from Greenmount. We moved to Wattle Grove, and that's where my parents are still. Okay. So what what made the move happen? Why did you move from York? Um. So my parents were the hoteliers of the Castle Hotel in York. Um, on the main street so they they ran that um we like I always say I grew up on the lap of a skimpy barmaid because mm. like we had you know they had all the skimpies they had like the shearing shows they had like we were just in the hotel like all the time um my dad was there all the time 
So we'd, we'd go in after school and we'd do our homework there and, you know, we'd eat dinner there and we'd stay there some nights. Like it was our lives. Like, so it, I, look, there's a lot of like drama that happened before they left because it was an owner, a new owner and then there was conflict and everything. So I remember it being very dramatic the way we left. I felt like we were leaving like by the cover of darkness and <laughs> it was like, it was like, like yeah it was like we had to like we had to leave we had to get out um which might be my my 10 year old brain at the time just really wanting to like that excitement yeah so but we we left there because there was just things fell through and things didn't work anymore so um it's barked my parents to like pick us up and to go you know what that's our journey here done and um then we moved into into gooseberry hill um so that was that was interesting like changing schools and all I'd ever known was like you know my friends and everything like it's all I'd ever known so this was such a big experience to like to to move and to to start afresh um but it didn't take us long to settle in we were we were were excited because we were close to Midland Midland Gate now so we were like ah Yeah, we're going to the shops. We're going to the, the two dollars shop at Midland Gate back in like the early two thousands was the dream. <laughs> oh, that's so good. So, would you say like you had a good childhood? How would you um, describe your childhood? I yeah, look. It's obviously there was moments that weren't like fun or whatever, but overall we had a great childhood. Like we were, we grew up outside. Like in York, we were always riding our bikes around the town we were like playing with our next door neighbors uh and we'd call across the fence we go jessica and jared come over and then they'd run over and then we'd be playing in our house because we had like a cubby house we had a cubby house and we had a tree house so we were like yeah so it was really great and then like we had a massive huge backyard so there was like hours of things to do mum pretty much like in the morning on school holidays if we weren't at school we were locked outside nine o'clock we'd have our breakfast nine o'clock she'd lock us outside she'd watch her days of our lives do her things at home clean the house whatever and we'd be out she'd bring us back in for lunch kick us back out and we wouldn't come back in until like seven o'clock at night before dinner and bath time so we were like outside all the time making our own fun playing our own games doing all that kind of stuff getting into trouble hurting ourselves you know all that all that kid stuff um and then when we moved to Gooseberry Hill we were in like a um I was actually just looking at the old house because you know when you get a bit nostalgic and you want to go back and look where you used to live um this house was more incredible now as an adult now that I appreciate real estate and houses and stuff I was like oh my god we were so lucky we lived in a three-story like house on stilts in the middle of the um well, at the entry of the, like, one of the parks, like the, like, natural, um, oh, national yeah. park things. Wow. And so we, it was so beautiful. It was, like, honestly, one of the most cool houses because it, it was three levels. So then we were so high up into the trees and in, like, in the bushes and everything. And then um, we had, like, a stairwell that went down into this little alcove that we, we had our play area. And it had a door that opened up into underneath the house. Wow. And then you could get in and there was like creeks and like we had a like a, a like a little sort of river kind of thing running next to the house. So we were out there playing it. It was it was wild. I'm was- jealous of your childhood. That sounds like <laughs> a 
dream. It was pretty cool. So we'd obviously we'd be playing witches, we'd be playing Buffy the Vampire Slayer, we'd be playing schools, like we'd do it all. Yeah. And um then we moved from that house we moved to Greenmount which was it was okay but like someone got stepped out on our front lawn in Greenmount it was a bit of a rough area that wasn't like the finest yeah well but, you're close to like 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 Mid Midland yeah you're close to Midland and it gets, Midland gets a bit um, no, that's the that oh. Armadale's the other way. Midland is like near, like um, oh, what was it near? Let me have a look. I'm gonna get my maps out because I need to just. <laughs> we need, need to, to sort just... this out. Um, yeah. Well, I lived in Perth for two years. I lived in Scarborough, then I lived in um, in Fremantle, and then I lived in Leaderville. Oh, Ritzy! Wow. I know. What can <laughs> I say? <laughs> Actually, a poor uni <laughs> student, to be honest. Oh, I'll tell you what Midland was near. And I don't know if you like are familiar, but it's near Middle Swan, Swan View. Yes. Uh, like Greenmount, Jane Brooks, Stratton. Uh, oh. So like no judgment, but like you will get stabbed there. Um <laughs> so, but you we all our family is like over in near Fremantle and um, Hamilton Hill. That's where we kind of go to see our family and stuff. So you're in a nice little, you had a good time. What were you living in Perth for? Um, well, I, so I obviously made the move from Esperance to Perth to live in the big city um, yeah. and I moved to uni. Um, uh, where did yeah. you go to uni? I went to ECU. I did one year of teaching and then realised that kids aren't for me really. <laughs> and then I did good old Edith and then I drove across the Malibor three weeks before the stage four lockdown to live in Melbourne. Oh, really? Yeah, with my dog and my car and all my belongings in my car by myself. How did the, how did the dog go in the car? Uh, he was four months old um, and he just pretty much slept the whole time. But I've got a Kelpie. Oh. And they're like wild, like got so yeah. much energy. But no, he was really good. Lots of farts though. Yeah. <laughs> I think he does. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was good. Um, well, it wasn't good, but I'm glad now that I'm in Melbourne. It, it's yeah. finally opening up. I'm actually, I was pretty hungover this morning because I went out last night, but I got up, went to F45, and I'm ready for the day. Oh, good on you, girl. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> so back to your childhood. What, yeah. what school did you go to? What high school? Um, so, well, my primary school, I started in York. I went to York District High School. Then I went to um, St. Joseph's in Northern. Um, and then from there, I went to Mary's Mount in Gooseberry Hill. And then from there, I went, which was always a natural progression. You either go to St. Bridget's or Mazenod. So St. Bridget's is the girls' school and Mazenod's the all boys' school. And I went to Mazenod. Um, Would have liked to have gone to St. Bridget's, but, you know, <laughs> fingers yeah so I went to an all boys um high school which was there was moments of joy and like I had a, I had some good times overall would I go back mm, I'd go back if I was allowed to be in drag and like sass everyone out because mm. I really think I took a lot of shit that I didn't need to take and um but that's just because you know yeah, yeah it's just testosterone central there yeah for sure so did you have like did you get bullied or like was it an overall good experience or like 
it was not nice in the first couple of years of high school. Like I was, I, to the, towards the latter part, um, I came out in about year 10, year 11. And um, once I started, like people were like, oh, you faggot. Like, yeah, yeah. And what? Because you take the power away. They're like, oh, okay. So that was, but the earlier times it was, it was awful. Like it was not nice. And because I'm like a good two shoes. I'm a bit more feminine, and like you know, I pride I pride I pride myself on the fact that I finished high school, but I was petrified of getting in trouble the whole time. So I would never want to rock the boat. I'd never like to to do anything crazy. So I kind of followed the rules. Was um, a goody two shoes, um, but now going back, I'd probably I'd probably fuck shit up to be honest. Oh, so do you think this goody two-shoes um, like personas from your childhood and how you've been brought up by your parents? Oh yeah like my parents have always been like it's not about you know getting in trouble or anything like that it's just about being respectful and being a good person like when they when you've got rules and structures and whatever you be respectful you follow those rules even though you may not like them that's not for you to decide because that's what has been set for you in this circumstance so my parents really did sort of hone in on the fact that we need to be polite we need to be respectful and being in the hotel you know there'd be certain guests that they want to impress or whatever so we would always be really polite we'd be yeah. you know well behaved obviously we had little moments but overall my parents do say that we were all three of us were quite well behaved except for my brother he was a little bit of a loose cannon <laughs> he'd be bouncing off the walls if he had too much coca-cola um but yeah so that I think that's kind of then carried on and I just ne I, I didn't want to get in trouble I never liked getting in trouble I yeah. I'd never like rocking the boat I don't like conflict yeah um, I'd prefer to prefer to stay away from the conflict so but that's something I've gotten better with because you do realize as an adult there are times that you have to actually be knee deep in conflict and you just have to weather it the best that you can and you realize like you know it's actually I've, it's been something I've realized in the last maybe six months that I, I was forever trying to please everybody around me and make sure that I'm and because I, I, I kind of started to like morph myself into a different person for each group because I was like oh if I, I've got to be like that so that they're comfortable with me and it's like well no because they're not changing who they are to be around me yeah I'm changing and I was like so what am I doing that, that courtesy is not given back to me so I kind of decided in myself you know what I've got to be me authentically in every group and if every situation and if that doesn't fly with them or they don't like that well they can shove it up their ass quite frankly because yeah. who cares like I'm not meant to be around them then yeah exactly if they don't like you for who you are they can get stuffed they can Ooh. you know but life's too short to be um stuck in a place where you're trying to people please it's 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 it sounds great on paper but in reality it just causes you more problems. Yeah. And I think that I've learned that in the last six months. So I'm very grateful for that life lesson. Yeah, definitely. So in high school, like mm. how, how did you feel like, how do I, <laughs> obviously um, you were different in your high school. When did yeah. you feel like you were different? 
Uh, well, I've always felt like different. I remember being, you know, like three or four and like having dreams about Batman and Prince Eric being my husband. Like I was, I was not, I was, I was always different. Right. I just never knew what to say. And I never had girlfriends, never had anything to like cover it up. I was never dishonest about my sexuality or my gender identity or anything like that. I just never, I just never really, you know, spoke about it. Yeah. And I just kept it to myself. And so when I got to high school and I realized like, oh my God, I'm definitely the most effeminate boy here. I'm like walking around with little limp wrists and like my little spiky Adam Lambert hair and all this shit. I was like, I was, I was like, I was, I was pretty much like a walking target. Like (laughs) there was so much to pick on. So it was like something I'd always realized about myself that I was a little bit peculiar but it was then like in year nine or ten I started really having like attractions towards other people and towards other boys and like you'd be like I would hate going to get changed for sport because we'd be all getting changed in like one change room and I'd be all like covering up my body <laughs> Don't look at me. Oh, <laughs> but as I'm covering up I'm like oh my god all these abs all these like oh my god all these bodies <laughs> yeah so I was like having a moment but then like so it's just it's a story but like for for a period of time when I started realizing that like I started getting called gay so I googled what gay was and then I was like oh that that is so me like I do like the same sex like I like boys I can't tell anyone okay God, because I was quite religious at the time as well. Like I was very much like from my grandma, my dad's my dad's mum. She used to like really put focus on how important religion was and take me to church all the time. I used to ride down on my bike back in the country town to go to church on a Sunday by myself. Like it was a religion was a big part, and I think to be honest, I really was just more into like the stories of saints and these great like same I love Greek mythology I loved all of that so it kind of for me religion was like this place where there's all these greatness it's like this mythical kind of well not myth oh I suppose depending on who you ask it could be mythical but um so it's just entranced by religion and by the catholic church and everything I thought it was just the bee's knees and I wanted to be a priest for a really long time because I thought that was the only way that I would be able to save myself and be like allowed to go to heaven because that was always like talked about like you know to go to heaven you have to not be a sinner you have to not do all these things and and um we knew I knew of a gay gentleman that used to work at the St Vinnie's that I used to work at with my grandma um because I used to volunteer there and he was he was gay and my grandma used to go oh he's got his special friend he probably won't go to heaven um because of his special friend but he's a lovely man he's a lovely man so there was all that so I was like in my head going sirens like oh my god I'm going to hell like I'm fucked so um I was like the only way that I can fix this is if I become a priest become celibate never think about it never talk about it it'll it'll be fine so I really started to sort of pursue that when I was like in year eight year nine year ten and there was a like a trigger in year ten 
when we were talking in our religious education class with one of my favorite teachers. I loved her. And she started talking about <clears throat> uh, like gay people and lesbians and trans people. <clears throat> and um, she said that, you know, you can be gay or you can be a lesbian or you can be trans or whatever, but you can't act on these impulses. You can't have impure thoughts. So you have to live a celibate life. You have to live a life where you, you know, you really have to repent your sins all the time if you have impure thoughts and all of this kind of stuff, because you have to make sure you have a clean slate to get into, into, um, into heaven. And this guy who was, I would say, he wasn't a bully, but he was just someone I'd never had time with or for. I didn't really care for him. I thought he was like abrasive and loud and rude. And he just started yelling at the teacher going, this is bullshit. How can you say that? There are, you know, there are issues with um, with priests potentially touching children and there's issues with this and there's issues with that. And you're saying that gay people can't live their lives and like have a loving partner and have a relationship. He's like, this is fucked. And she kicked him out of the class. He got put into detention. It was a big like moment. He was screaming at her and getting angry. And when he had this a moment, it kind of tripped clicked in me I was like oh my god I'm just I want to be a priest and I want to be so religiously pious because I want to escape from who I am because this organization is telling me that I'm wrong and it just all my mind it was just like you know that meme with the lady and it's got like the numbers and the calculations around it you know that meme have you seen that that was me that was me and I was like freaking out like oh my god what am I doing I don't want to be a priest I want to be I want to be a gay man that's what I want to be and I just realized then it just all clicked in me from this one experience that I watched I was like what why why do I want to go to heaven and be with some some god that has apparently made me the way that I'm meant to be but then has so many problems with me and the way that I am yet he made me so what's going on something's not computing there yeah and then you start reading more into the bible and you're like hold on this is a whole world of contradictions nothing makes sense there's rules for some rules for others like and then and then my grandma who was holier than now who I do appreciate now in small doses but um I don't think she listened to this to be fair like when she like she had things in her life that weren't weren't so kosher and weren't so um godly and I was like hold on this needs to stop so that's when I clicked into myself I was like the church was not for me I could appreciate what it is for some people and a lot of people find religion in times of stress or times of like life change and you know when someone's sick or when someone's you know hurt or whatever they find the religion again because they're like it's someone it's an entity that they can sort of go to to try and make everything better yeah um and and I suppose it happens in all different forms of our lives but yeah so this was a big click for me and I was like I am done with that journey that is not my life journey I need to find a career path that I can wear dresses just like the priests and um (laughs) 
Yeah. So drag. How did you discover the fabulous drag scene? Well, I remember like watching Courtney act on Australian Idol. I didn't know that was drag at the time. I thought she was just a woman. Um, but you know, there was been moments in life where I've like seen these characters that are drag, like Mrs. Doubtfire, Dame Edna, watching Priscilla. I used to watch Tu Wong Fu, Thank You For Everything. We watched that one night, it came on Foxtel and I was like enamored by this. I was like, what are these people? What are these people? I didn't know it was a job. I didn't know it was anything. I was so confused. And um, <coughs> when I turned 18, I started going out in Perth to the court and to Connections. And um, I, by that point, because I'd come out to my family and I'd come out at school and I was finished school and I'd be on MySpace looking at everybody, my, like, my, my goal at the time was to become a popular scene kid. I was like, I just want to be known by every gay person in, in Perth. <laughs> so I'd go out and, you know, you'd hug and kiss everyone. You're like, hi, how are you? And, you know, you'd be the new, you'd, I was the, I was the, um, what is it? The new meat on the meat market at one point. I was like, yeah, I was like, I was just like, I just, I lost a little, I lost all my, like my child weight. So I was a little bit skinnier and I was like feeling my fantasy and I was loving it. Um, everybody knew who I was. I was going to all the parties, all that drama. And anyway, I was out. I didn't really, I went out to go and get like really drunk and to dance and to make out with boys. That's what I started doing. That's why I wanted to go out. And then I was there one Wednesday night and because um, you naturally start to, when you start on that journey of being a scene kid, you, you eventually end up being friends with someone that does drag. It was just something, but I never understood it. I was like, so weird. I don't get it. What do you want to do that for? And um, my uh, one of the friends that I was hanging out with, Patrick, he was like, I'm doing drag now, guys. My name's Ruby Jewels and all this kind of stuff. I was like, all right, we'll come out and watch you one Wednesday night. So I went out and then I saw these like big monstrous drag queens like Val and Femme and um, Sandy Beaches and all this kind of stuff. They were running around on stage and I was like, what is this? What is this? I don't get it. But they're up there and they're living their life and they're having a great time. And um, and I was there like clapping for, Ru for, for Ruby and I was loving it. Um, I was really proud and Ruby was like, you need to give drag a go. I think you'll be great like you did theater in school you did you did musicals like you need to give drag a go and I was like one night one night that's it um and at the time I was kind of going through the latter part of like the emotional turmoil of like of your hormones you like I've just come out but I was still really like on edge and my parents were separated at the time so there was a lot of emotional stuff going on um and I also liked this this guy and I was like, oh, maybe I can do a number that will confess my love for him. So I was like, okay, I'll do it one night. Ruby will put me into drag. I'll do this number, um, which is Where My Kiss by Sugar Babes. Went in on the Wednesday night. Um, oh, and also it was an amateur night, so you could win a prize. And the prize was a $50 bar card. So I was like, if I win, I can get drunk. Like, it would be great. Yes. And um, usually what you do is you come in the later part of the evening so there's two shows the first one and the second one 
to, to, to win, you'd have to be in the second show. And um, so I planned, I skipped the first one and I was going to come in for the second one. Do wear my kiss by Sugar Babes, kiss my kiss my, my love interest and take home the bar card. I was going to be a hero. Easy. Easy. So I got there, signed up, put, they started my music in the middle of my track. So I was flustered. I was like, what's going on? I don't, I don't get it. But anyway, I powered through. I did my number. I kissed the guy. I was loving it. Everyone was screaming. I was the star. I was like, oh, so, so exciting. And um, then when it came to the, like, the prize, the host at the time, Swish, was like, no, I know you're the best. And I know that everybody clapped for you and you've clearly won this, but I'm overruling it. I'm giving it to this other girl who did the first and second show. And uh, because she does, she earned it. She did both shows. If you want to win, you got to do both shows. And I was like, that's fucked. Because, like, for weeks when we've been coming down on a Wednesday night, it was always the one that came in the second show that won. And I was like, so you changed the rules on me? How dare you? So I was fuming and I was like, right. I need, drunk. I need this bar card. Yeah, I was like, I have no money. I was getting paid $300 a week and I had to pay bond and board and my car and all this shit. So I was like, I am fuming. So I was like, I'm coming back next week. I'm coming back and I'm going to win. I'm going to do two numbers and I'm going to come back next week. And I did. And I went back and I won. I got my bar card and I was like, right. And because I kind of got told that I couldn't, couldn't win or couldn't do it, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And um, it just kind of became this like I don't know, just, I just started falling in love with it more and more and more. And it was exciting and it was thrilling. And I love being able to express my emotions and my feelings and like, you know, being able to just get on stage and tell everybody how I was feeling, but then having them like go, yeah, I feel that too. Or like that was, you know, made me smile. That made me laugh. So I just really started loving that. And then within six months, the host Swish, she got like, sent packing because she was a bit of a loose cannon um and then I took over hosting the amateur night within six oh, months so I was like it was a quick rapid like thing for me but um it was just kind of reaffirming to know that maybe I was doing something right um and then I had to speak to my parents and I was like I'd already come out so I was like guys I'm doing drag now and my mum was like what the fuck's this like do you want to be a woman and I was like no I want to perform and I want to entertain and I really started getting my stride in this and I would like to do it for a job. And they said, well, you're meant to be at university. You've deferred for a year. What you're going to do is you, you're going to go back to university and then you can give this drag thing a go on the side. Um, you've got a year to do it. And if you're making money by the end, then you can keep going. But if it's losing you money and you, you, you go crazy, then that's out you got to focus on your university so I started doing my uni which I was doing early childhood education which didn't work didn't stick not for me um, I love working I love kids but like I was just no I, I, my mind wasn't in it so um I tried to do uh primary school education thing and that was going to be better wasn't got rid of that and then I tried theatre which I actually went to a class for the other two I just kind of was trying to get out of university in these yeah. deferrals um but the the theater I did one class and I was like this is camp and then they said next week we're going to be doing this and you're going to be a soldier and I was like 
no, not for me, I'm out of there. Um, and then so I just started focusing on drag. And within a year, I was like earning money from it. I was manage I was also balancing a day job as well. So I had money. I was like, I'm just going to leave university. It's not for me. So I'll just work in retail and do drag on the side and live my life and have a good time. Um, and that's what I did. And then about five years later, I packed up, moved to Sydney. So you moved to Sydney for drag? Yeah. Yes. I'd been coming over intermittently to come to the Diva Awards and um, to come on my birthday because I was always enamoured with Sydney. I loved it. And I just knew that I wanted to to come and visit and be here and see the drag here. I always loved the drag queens. I'd follow them on MySpace and on Facebook. So I was like, oh, I really want to see what they're like in person. And so I started coming over and making friends with them. And I just made the decision in myself, like probably maybe two years or three years into doing drag that one day I would want to live in Sydney and progress my career here. Um, and then it took like a couple of years because, you know, I had a partner in Perth that wasn't great. And I needed to end that and I needed to just sort of save up my money and figure out exactly what I was going to do. Um, and then I think it was in 2014, in like sort of June, I was like, okay, in a year, June 2015, I'm, I'm moving to Sydney. And so it was in, from that moment, I started putting in the plans of what I was going to do and um, started sort of like wrapping things up that I needed to wrap up. I left that relationship. It was very toxic. So I was like, goodbye. Yeah. And... Um, I just started working on myself a little bit more and then probably it was probably about three or four months just before June 2015 I really just hammered in I messaged people I was like I'm coming like I'll do whatever um transferred my day job from because uh, I worked at Sunglass Hut so I was like I'll go work at Sunglass Hut in Sydney so I transferred that um I found a little apartment with um I found it on Gay Share with um with this guy named Joe he was the best we still chat and we see, he got married he got married in london the other um the other year for um to his boyfriend he's so wonderful um so that was really lovely finding a a place where i felt welcomed and accepted and comfortable so um yeah and then june 2015 4th of june jumped on that plane with my dad and he came over because my dad was flying to brisbane so he was like i'll fly to sydney with you, you drop you off and then and then I'll go to Brisbane um so it was really really lovely to have him on the plane we were both messes we're crying we're like oh my god what am I doing this is crazy and um then I got here and moved into the to the little place um which was an interesting experience that move because um we left a suitcase of all my boy clothes next to the car in the Perth airport and um it got taken away by the bomb squad because they thought it was like a... Like oh, a, um, no. Yeah. So my mum had to express postal... Like she went and found it, thank God. Um, and she it was in, it was taken by the bomb squad. It was just about to be destroyed. <laughs> so I arrived to Sydney with just drag. No boy clothes. Oh, I was in, like, nothing. So I um, so got that express post. And then, then now, what are we, like, nearly six years later, five, six years later, yeah, and, and you're doing drag full-time. Yeah, full-time. So I, I, I started full-time drag maybe six to 12 months after I moved here. Yeah. Um, 
I started just doing filling jobs and like doing meals on heels. I entered a competition just so I could sit, like say like, I won a competition, I can work wherever. Um, and then, so I started doing fill-ins and then I started getting regular shows and it's just kind of snowballed and grown from there. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, so I took the leap of faith and I was like, if I'm going to make drag a thing, I need to just focus on it and um, commit to the to the craziness. So I decided to leave my day job and I was calling in sick anyway. So yeah, just get rid of it. So yeah. what made you choose Hanaconda as your um, stage name? Is it called story, a stage name? Yeah, it's a stage yeah. name. Um, the story is not like too exciting, but um, so between the court and connections, there's like the arts precinct with the museum and everything. And on Wednesday nights, you'd walk from the court after they finished the amateur drag and you'd go to connections to watch the lesbian mud wrestling. And we were walking in between the arts precinct one Wednesday night before I did drag. Um, I'd, it was like a couple of weeks before. So I'd already been given a name by Ruby, which she called, she was like, you're going to be Rosy Cheeks. Awful awful drag name yes. I was like if I can find something better I'll do that so we we're walking in between the arts precinct we're all pretty drunk and this guy comes up this Irish man comes up and he's like oh you're in, you're an anaconda and I was like okay thanks and then for some reason our 18 and 19 year old drunk brains thought that was hysterical so everyone called me anaconda for the night um and then by the time we'd like finished the night, we got home. I was debriefing with some friends at home and I was like, maybe, maybe I could be Anaconda. And then I was like, actually, no, Anna is too simple for me. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to be Hannah. I'm going to be Anaconda. And that was it. It was so That's weird. That's actually an interesting story though. Just a drunk, random Irish man. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. So he set me on the path and um, yeah. And so I've never been rosy cheeks on stage. I've always been Hanaconda. Yeah. So you're, you have, um, you know, Hanaconda on Instagram. When did yep. you decide that you would put it on social media? And do you think that like having a platform for drag has helped your career um, so much? Um, yeah, it has. I, I, I initially like before Instagram, when it was just Facebook, I had my, my, Chris Collins Facebook and then I was like oh I need a Hanaconda one so I set up a Hanaconda page uh, Hanaconda Facebook um and I'd have conversations back and forth with Chris and Hannah like <laughs> dull that was a lot of effort like logging in and out of these accounts <laughs> like, oh I'm like I'm forever going back into my memories deleting shit like that because I'm like <laughs> oh no that needs to go <laughs> um so I was on Facebook first and then when Instagram became a thing I started like posting some photos I didn't have too many followers or anything like that it was very small um and in the grand scheme of things like my following now while it's bigger than some people it's not big in the world of drag anymore like you know I'm still forever trying to grow it but for some reason I'm stuck on 14.4 thousand and I cannot budget I don't know why it's so annoying um but there's all been natural and organic people think I bought followers and I have never paid for followers in my life um I did have a random like spike of like six or seven hundred followers randomly like last year 
um, and it makes me feel that someone purchased them for me and <laughs> it just happened, but um, I've never, but they, but they actually all stayed around. So I mean, maybe I did something good or maybe yeah. I, I always have this feeling that I'm like, you know, that episode of the Simpsons when Homer finds out that he's like really famous in like Japan or something on this like brand. Yeah. I, so. yeah, I always have a feeling that like, maybe I'm just like a goddess in another country and I'm, <laughs> I just don't know about it yet. <laughs> that's where that's sometimes what I think. Um, but yeah, so I like having the social media following is pretty cool because it like it allows, it's it's given me a lot of opportunities that I probably wouldn't have ever done. I think some people misconstrue um, that like right now in this world you need to have a good social media following, like especially in entertainment, like. To, to, to back up your brand and to, you know, probably unlock the door to certain types of gigs. And, you know, mm. I do a lot of PR stuff and promotions and things like that. And so I think some people may think that I'm a little bit, you know, fake because I do a lot of like, hi guys, welcome back to my channel, you know, but it's kind of part of the business now. You've yeah. got to do it. Um, I don't like it. It's a bit cringy, but that's what you got to do um and I'm in it for the long haul and I want to diversify my brand and and be able to have my finger in as many pies as I can um so to have that social media presence is important and I ended up just getting rid of my personal profile because for me I've learned over the last maybe six years that it's important to have a separation between work and your personal life and I'd rather not have my personal life out on show yeah everybody like I think that's important to to have that that's mine and no one else really needs unless you're in my circle you no one else really needs to know about that yeah, yeah. um and oh unless I share it you know and um so I got rid of my Chris profile. That's all gone. So I just now look after Hannah. It's too much. Why would you want a Chris profile and a Hannah one? It's too I've much. got three. I've got my three. One. I've got my podcast one, and I'm a musician as well. So I always have my musician. Oh. But I'm not like I don't have fifteen thousand followers, and I don't. I'm sometimes, most of the time, forget to post and stuff. But you know, oh, I too. I was going to start a dog one and I was like, for Instagrams, I can't do it. It's too much. Like, there's just, and you just forget what one you're on. So I just did away with it and I just focus on the one. It's, it's yeah, been yeah. a lot better for me. Yeah, definitely. So do you have any advice for anyone thinking of pursuing drag? Um, yes. I do. I think drag is a wonderful art form and I think people that are going, uh, that are interested in it genuinely really need to kind of do their research about why they want to, or, and, and do some soul searching about why they want to do drag and what's it for. Because I think a lot of kids now see things like drag race and see, um, you know, the notoriety that you can get from drag and they want to do it because of that. And they want to do it because they want to get famous. And they think it's a quick, it's a quick, easy route to fame. And I think you need to really second guess that choice. If that is why you're going to do drag. Yeah. Um, I think they need, I, I would like to see a little bit more of a return to what drag is actually about and poking fun at the at the norms of society and living on the fringe a little bit more I think that's important to keep um and 
I just think that if you're going to dive into the world of drag as well, realise that you're not deserving of all the best treatment in the world. It's an earned thing. It's about respect. You've got to have respect for the venues and places that you work and things you do, and then the respect will come back to you. But it's it's a it's it's a process. It's going to take time. It's going to you have to build it up. You like I always say that you can't. You wouldn't walk into a company's office and say, "I want to be the CEO," because. I've been doing it for two minutes or I've been working on the reception for two minutes. So I want to be the CEO of this company. It's not how it works. It's the same thing with drag. You've got to earn your stripes. You've got to build yourself up. And the quicker you rise, the quicker the fall. It's all about longevity. And you want to be able to ride those waves and, and, and put yourself in a place where you can stretch out your career over a longer period of time. Yeah, you know, I think there's way too many kids that are trying to push themselves into being like top tier, high end kind of drag queens without doing the hard yards and building the foundations to support them. So they end up crumbling because they're like, oh, this is too much. I can't do it. Oh, my God, I've got to I've got to have a break from drag, you know, and it's like, doll, just take your time with it. Enjoy the moments because that's the biggest thing, like the moments that you have building your drag and building your career are so special at the time they can feel a bit tedious or they can feel trying and you feel like you're not getting anywhere but then you look back and you go oh my god six years ago I was stuck wearing the one outfit but now I've got like a whole wardrobe you know and so you see yourself build and you see yourself grow and and I think they're important moments and they toughen you up and they you know give you thick skin because you have to push through them so really it's about enjoying the ride allowing the ride to take as long as it needs to take but make sure you build yourself a great foundation and a great base of support because if you don't have that and you shoot straight up to the top you're only just going to go back down and the fall is going to be harder than anything so prepare yourself enjoy the ride and um don't expect anything i think that that's like sums it up really well and i think that um can relate to so many different situations i feel like nowadays because everything's a click click of the button um everyone just expects things to happen like right then in two seconds um it's even with this podcast like um some days i'm just like oh only get like so when I do interviews I get way more listeners because it gets you know they share it with their followers and then all their followers listen but then when it's just me talking it's like 100 people listen and I'm like man but I'm like Lila you've been doing this for five months like it takes a long time to like build a good following and like get somewhere you can't just expect it to happen in two seconds Yeah. yeah and that's the thing like especially through this pandemic and this year there's been moments where I'm thinking oh my god amazing things are going to happen and I'm just on the precipice of like a massive change and then something comes in and pops that balloon and it's back down to zero I can't really talk about what's going on but um there's there was I, I it also it's important to allow yourself to like gauge things and to not put get your hopes up on things because this entertainment industry can be so 
um, fickle and forever changing and you've got to be able and prepared to ride the waves and when that door doesn't open for you you either try the next door and if that doesn't open then you just bash it down <laughs> so you've got to just like yeah. ride the waves don't stress things are meant to happen the way that they're meant to happen and um I think overall you know and I think it's important as well like to um acknowledge that when you see other people's success it's okay to be to to be to be jealous of it but don't sort of weighed in that realm of jealousy for too long because you become, you can become bitter you need to go oh I see what they're doing I'm jealous I really want to be doing that but I can do something really cool on my own in this way and I need to focus on that and my opportunity to do that will come yeah. but right now it's not for me and that's fine and you just need to to be able to have that that um confidence in yourself that you'll be able to pick up and you'll be able to take whatever happens in its own direction and make um you know make magic yeah. so I um I don't know where I was going with that but I think that's important to know as well yeah maybe yeah. it's another piece of advice yes Just I love it, it. Happen, bash the door down yes <laughs> actually that is going to be my life motto now bloody just bash it down <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah. you so. like in this chat you've seemed like you seem so uplifting and so positive and you've just got such a good mindset. Have you always felt like this, like really know where you're going and what you're doing and feeling happy in yourself? Um, no. Over periods of time, I've had, like, this is kind of where you've caught me now. I, this is me generally. This I do have a quite an uplifting sort of mindset and a positive mindset and I've always been taught that by my parents is that you know you've got to be in the right mindset to receive these things in your life and receive opportunities so you've got to be in a positive mindset but that doesn't mean that I have been without without like I, I have suffered a lot with mental health issues in the latter part of my life um, because I think I've been away from like my family I've gone through a lot of life changes there's been a lot of things happen but my parents have always instilled in us the importance of checking in on yourself mentally and they've always had like counseling and they've valued counseling and therapy um so it's something that's not taboo for me and I don't think it should be taboo for anyone I think mental health is such an important thing to keep check on because you never know and this pandemic really really rocked me um and I got into days where I'd just be like flat there'd be no energy there'd be no spark there'd be no zest for life and it was only pro probably in the last like four months three or four months I again checked in with myself and I realized like oh time to go back to therapy it's time to start working on that I started getting really bad, bad anxiety which I never ever had anxiety before and it just started again um and then my depression I've I've had depression in bouts and I kind of understood when it happens to feel it talk about it and it kind of shifted but this depression was not budging she was she was like it was like the depression cat from big mouth like oh every day I was just not in a good way mm -hmm. um and so this anxiety this depression and then like I was just tired and weak and I wasn't feeling great so um I started doing my therapy again and went back I got, got on the mental health plan 
started talking about these things and what was what what I was feeling and then I started really that's um started really like checking myself and going to the gym working out a little bit which is great for your mental health and um it gets you motivated for what you need to do so that was really great um and it's just and it's kind of all happened at this period of time where there's been a lot of things happening behind the scenes that um I and I, that I thought would be really great changes but turned out that they weren't for me and it wasn't happening so I was like oh my god what am I gonna do and then it's kind of allowed me to just cope with these things a little bit better and and realize that like my opportunity for things will come it's just going to be a little bit delayed and that's okay and I think it's been great for me to have those skills again to check on myself and I've you know I've wrote out a contract now to myself about how I want to be treated and you know I've I'm really keeping an eye on how I bend myself and how far I'm willing to bend for people but then when that bending is too far I'm not going to snap myself anymore you know you've got you've got to really put put in those boundaries and I have that's where I've learned this year to like act the same and be me with everybody rather than playing who they who I think they need me to be yeah I think that's important so I wrote it out in a contract I've been doing a journal I'm I'm like I'm eat pray love at the moment (laughs) that sounds really good I definitely think um therapy is looked at as if you have to be like so depressed that you can't move but but I see a psychologist every week you know what I mean yeah um And like, yeah, I have anxiety um, and I have deeper core issues, but I'm not like a psycho crazy lady who can't cope with life. I'm just making decisions in my life to better myself for the future. Um, And I think that's what therapy is, you know, like finally taking that step. It's a leap of faith, 100%. Going to the doctor and asking for a mental health plan because mental health is so like taboo to speak about. You sit there like... Yeah, um, I'm just looking to get a mental health plan. Like, and you just feel so embarrassed, and you're like, "Yeah, this is why I'm doing this podcast." You know, like just to talk to people and be like, "Mental health is something that needs to be spoken about and um, like discussed." So, yeah, I know because you can't, you can't. Like, I think it's important to, like you said, be checking in regularly. So it doesn't build up into a problem that you need to, like, you, you want to try and fix like that because everything's so bad. Like, it needs to be a gradual thing. And there's not, there should be nothing taboo about it. I was so grateful the doctor that I went to this time was really wonderful. He was like, yeah, sure, no worries. We'll do the little test. It's like, okay, your levels of anxiety and depression and stress are really, really high at the moment. Um, you know, we've got these. He gave me all the numbers for the helplines just in case between my my appointment and my first therapy session things got too hard for me so he gave me all these things and he was really great and that is how every doctor should deal with it um and because I I think a lot of a lot of um doctors go straight to medicinal like treatments Mm -hmm. like get jump on the antidepressants go on but I've seen way too many times antidepressants causing too many problems for people and like the the dismount from the anti uh, the antidepressants is actually detrimental. 
yeah. because it, 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 it shifts everything so far. And um, so then like, you, you know, they struggle coming off them. Um, so I've never been medicated for, for it. And if it is medica- medication that you need, that's fine as well, but it needs to be di- diagnosed and distributed by the, the mental health professional rather than the doctor. Because I think the doctor gets uncomfortable and goes, oh my God, mental health, have these antidepressants. Get out of my office right now. Yeah. But if you go to a, go to a therapist or a, um, a psychologist and they deem that a fit and accurate way to treat your mental health, yeah. then that's fine because it's, you know, and it, and it will be paired with therapy. So it's kind of working together and they will gauge it all. Um, so I think it's important to check, to check in. And if you, if you, if you do find yourself um, struggling with mental health to, to jump on, on that phone, get yourself a doctor's appointment, go to the, get the mental health plan and um, start working through those things. There's no shame in it. There should be no stigma about mental health. Um, and just, you know, know that that is, you're, you're no different to anybody else. We all have it in some form. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think it's really important to just keep that in check. Yeah, definitely. So I have my conclusion question for this chat, which I've been asking every guest, and you've been giving a lot of great advice. So I hope you can pull one more wise um, wisdom out. That was not, that was terrible English. Wise of wisdom. (laughs) What am I talking about? See, I've been not awkward until the end. Just then I like got all my words. I love it. Oh my God. We call them the blurtation. We call it a blurtation. Yeah, one more word of wisdom. Is that right? Um, So this is the question. What is one thing you would tell your 21 year old self that you wish you knew back then? life is limited by your own imagination so dream big don't be afraid to try new things uh don't be scared to take risks I think risks are important sometimes they don't pay off and that's okay um I think I would also tell myself to stop people pleasing because people like you for who you are and you don't need to be someone that you're not to, to please people and to make people like you. They like you and that's, you know, you're allowed to be liked and you're allowed to be a nice person and a good person and sort of float in the realm of kindness. That's okay. There's no shame in doing that. You don't have to be an asshole to live life. And um, if you don't enjoy bottoming, then don't do it. Yes, that's saying in the podcast. I fucking love it. That's the advice I've gotten from anyone. <laughs> so funny. Oh, Thank so you good. so much for being a guest on my podcast. When I reached out, um, I was like, oh, I probably won't even hear back. And you got back to me and I really appreciate it. It's Friday. So I hope you have a lovely weekend and I will give you a message this afternoon. Yeah, I love it. Well, it was great to speak to you. Thank you for uh, having me on. And I hope everyone enjoys listening to my cackle and my voice for a bit. I love it. I love it. It was a really fun chat. So thank you. You are more than welcome, darling. Enjoy your weekend. Yes, you too. See you later. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening, guys. I really hope you enjoyed it and got something out of that episode. I will leave all of Hannah's info in the bio if you're interested. And I will leave my info too. I know probably no one reads it. But anyway, don't forget to follow me on All Things Live Podcast on Instagram. And I'm excited to chat with you soon. Happy Friday and have a good weekend. Thank you.